don't answer this question. I want you to think about it. What are you up to this morning? What are you up to in life? What is it that really, or what really gets you? What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? What is it that you're really passionate about? All the things that you're doing, when you look back over your life, as, as you look at your life to this point, what is it that you're doing? What is it that you're building? What is it that you're up to? Today we're going to talk about that. If you would turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, I want us to take a look at the life of Paul because what we're going to find is someone who was more concerned about building a legacy than he was a legend. For us today, sitting in here this morning, is that what consumes us? Are we more concerned about building a legacy? Are we more concerned about building a legacy for God that says, I want my life to make an impact in this world. I want my life to make an impact for the things that really matter. I want my life to make an impact for eternal things, things that will continue to go on and on and on. Or are we more concerned about, well, you know what? I want to make an impact for what I want to make an impact for. I want to be happy. I want to have the things in my life that's going to bring more comfort. I want to have those things. And so, therefore, right now, we're on a journey that's more about building kind of a, 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 a legend for ourselves, in a sense. And we're going to discover today, as we compare and contrast Paul with another individual of that time, one of them built their lives to, to, to be a legacy, the other one a legend. And we're going to see how that both worked out. But I want you to really think about that question. I want you to think about what you're doing. I want you to just really think about what you're doing, what your life is about. Think about your job. Think about what you're investing your life into right now. That means your job. That means the things that you are working towards. That means your goals. That means your passions. That means all the, your objectives, all the things you have set out there. What are the things that really get you passionate? What are the things you're saying, I'm going to obtain these things right here? I want you to keep that in your mind, and I want you to kind of think about it as we look at the life of Paul here for a second, or for a few moments. Um, So if you would, please turn with me to, we're going to take a look at uh, his life in in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. We are in this, uh, we're in this big, coming to a conclusion of this, this series called The Story. We've been in it for months, and we've got two weeks left, this week and next week. Next week's the end of time. So I would suggest you get things in order pretty quick, okay? But we're going to look at the life of Paul today. And as we looked at his life last week, I mean, his life really is just splattered through the New Testament. We know that um, when we take a look at the life of Paul, we know that he wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Very significant. He, wrote, he planted, uh, we said, at least 10 churches last week, if not more. He was on three missionary journeys. He traversed all kinds of terrain to fulfill what God had placed upon his heart. He traveled roads that, that, that were filled with bandits. He, his life was at risk. He was shipwrecked. We're going to read about this again today a little bit. But his life was literally in je- his physical life was literally in jeopardy a lot. But he was consumed with this, this, this thing of advancing the kingdom of Christ. And it, we, we read that he went, literally went from an antagonist to an evangelist. I mean, he was the up-and-coming star in his area in Judaism. He was the person to be contended with, to be um, the one to lock horns with when it came to advancing Judaism. He was all about it. He was extremely smart. He was extremely articulate when it came to all those things. And then at one point in his life, he says, that's considered 
garbage to me. And in fact, if we would do a word study, and we've talked about this, that word garbage is a word that we would use for dung. And not the word dung, but in a very crude sense of the word dung. And Paul's saying, that's what I think of that stuff now. That my life has been absolutely just absolutely changed. Going from an antagonist that was killing Christians, literally physically killing, taking lives for the sake of Jesus Christ, or for the sake of God, but in the name of Jesus Christ, and, and, and going to being this passionate evangelist for Jesus. Listen to what the book of Acts says about him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. When we start looking at the life of Paul, and especially what we're going to look at today, we're catching the tail end of his life. He's starting to wind down. He wasn't content in relaxing. He wasn't content in saying, you know what, I'm getting old. This is, you know, I put, I've put my time in. It's time for me to sit back and be fed. It's time for me to sit back and to enjoy. It's time for me to sit back and kick up the dogs and just kind of hang out a little bit. That was the absolute polar opposite of the life of Paul. He was definitely not content with that. He went from being arrested for the boldness that he proclaimed from preaching the message of Jesus Christ. He was arrested time and time again, thrown in jail, thrown in dungeons. He was in house arrest. He was constant. I mean, all these things played uh, within his life. And at the tail end of his life, that's where we find him. We find him arrested, going from uh, arrested multiple times, but arrested, going to a house arrest, and then being released, and then being chained back up in the Roman dungeon waiting for his death. He wrote several of the letters in prison, in dungeon at this time. Uh, many of the letters that we have in, uh, in the New Testament of those 13 of the 27, many of them he wrote while he was chained up in the Roman dungeon. His life is winding down, and the question becomes, who's going to carry on the torch? Who's going to continue to do what I have set out to do? Who's going to be the one to take that baton and take it and run with it and advance the kingdom of God and help advance the kingdom of God? He turns to a young guy by the name of Timothy. When we read about Timothy, this relationship that him and Paul had, it was this very, just this very close relationship, just a very, very close brotherhood of a relationship where he poured himself into the life of Timothy. He shares, he, he's sharing his passion with Timothy in these last days. He has this incredible confidence. The guy's going to, he's, he's getting older physically, but he's going to, he, he knows his, his day is, is, is just around the corner where he's going to be executed, but yet he has this incredible confidence and he's pouring himself yet continually into Timothy and, and telling Timothy, Timothy, you've got to do the same. You've got to take what you've heard from me. You've got to take what I've taught you. You've got to take all these things and you have to entrust them to reliable men. And women. You've got to take this thing and you've got to share it. You've got to pour your life into others like I've poured my life into you. And the, and, and those people will turn and do the same. And so you and I are affected by this. And hopefully there are those sitting in here this morning where we're going to say, that is exactly what I've been called to do. Is to take that baton and to continue on and to continue to advance the kingdom of Christ as long as I have breath here on earth. But Paul has this incredible confidence. He summarizes his faithfulness to life during this time and his fearless his fear, fearlessness to death. And through all of this, he gives you and I, I think we can extract four responses. 
And if we, if in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, we're going to read about the first response that you and I can latch on to and, and integrate, hopefully within our lives. And the first one is this, keep enduring. Keep enduring. Listen to what he says to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, passions, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. Paul says, Timothy, you've got to keep on keeping on. There's going to be times where you experience persecutions. There's going to be times where things don't go the way you think they should. There's going to be times where you're put in prison. There's going to be times where people come against you and literally physically attack you or emotionally attack you or whatever. But, Timothy, you've got to keep on keeping on. You know all about my persecutions. I've shared with you all of my persecutions on this journey. I've shared with you all my sufferings. I've shared with you all my hardships. Paul says, Timothy, you've got to persevere. You've got to keep on keeping on. In fact, at one point, Paul would tell Timothy, follow me, follow my model as I follow Christ. I wonder how many of us in here this morning can say that, where we say, you know what? I'm human, but follow my model, because I'm striving as hard as I can to follow Christ. And we're in this together. Keep enduring. Now, ours may look a little bit different, but Paul is saying the same thing to us. Keep enduring. There's going to be times, guys, where you are on the job, even maybe this week, or you're facing it right now, where you're going to be asked to compromise your ethics. You're going to be, com- you're going to be asked to compromise your values. You're going to be asked to do something that you know deep down is not it, the, the correct way to go. But if you don't do it, it may risk your job. Paul's saying, keep enduring. Keep focused. Keep enduring. There's going to be times in your relationships where someone is going to hurt you. There's some of us sitting in here this morning where people have hurt us, they've attacked us, they have, these people have intentionally went out of their way to hurt us. They may have gossiped, they may have spread lies, they may have done these other things, but we have some relationships that, that, that are hurting us right now, and it's so easy for us to throw in the towel to say, what's the use? I will never be able to trust again. I will never be able to trust someone at that level again. And Paul's saying, it's going to happen. Keep enduring. Some of you are not married in here this morning. And you're dating. And you're flirting around with having sex and living with someone. Doing all these other things. And don't compromise. Keep enduring. Some of you are are in a marriage and it's very hard right now. The person that you're married to, from your perspective, is not worthy of your love. They're hurting you. They're They're not lifting you up. They don't encourage you. They don't walk beside you. They're not on the same page with you. And it's extremely hard. And it's so easy to say, I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm finished. And Paul would say, keep enduring. Some of you, all of us, every single one of us in here this morning have a witness. We are a witness to Christ. People are watching us. Those of us that say that we are Christians, guys, we've said this before, people are watching They're watching how you conduct yourselves. They're watching how you talk. They're watching your ambitions. They're watching every single thing about you. And it's so easy to take that 
easy road occasionally, that low road that says, you know what, I can't handle this anymore. I'm going to take the easy way out. Don't do it. Keep enduring. Our witness is everything. It's kind of like that guy and woman, uh, this marriage, they were, the guys, they're old. And the guy's getting ready to pass away. And his wife notices he keeps going up to the attic. And so she asks him, why do you keep going up the attic? He's like, well, I'm taking all the possessions that I want to take, my money and stuff like that, that, that when, God, when I die and I go to heaven, as I'm passing by to go to heaven, I'm going to grab all of my possessions that I want to take with me. So he finally dies, and she's like, I wonder what, you know, if he was able to grab his stuff. And so she goes up, and she looks, and it's all there. And he goes, she goes, that idiot, he, sh- he should have put it in the basement. There we go. The guy thought he had a little bit more of a witness, right? It, but it's so easy for us, it's so easy for us to lose it. It's so easy for us to lose that witness in a heartbeat. We get so caught up in in ourselves, and it's so easy for us to just take that one little that one little path, and we become so focused on things they're not of God, they're they're of us. And Paul's saying, "I get that it's hard." (laughs) Paul's saying, "I get that it's hard, but keep enduring. There's more to this than just this stuff. Keep enduring." Don't be surprised, he would go on to say, because you're going to experience hardships and persecutions. They're coming. Face them with confidence. Face them with tenacity. Face them with conviction. Face them to say, I'm going to keep on keeping on. This isn't about me. This is about, this is about me enduring. I am on a journey for Jesus Christ, and I'm going to continue keeping on. The second thing that he would say to Timothy is this. Keep reading. Keep studying. Keep reading. And, uh, Chapter 3, verses 15 and 17, it says, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul says, it's all in the Scriptures. Guys, I cannot emphasize this enough. If your opinion is based on just opinion, that, that's nothing. It's when we draw upon the Word of God to say, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm going to invest my life in, on this journey, and the Scriptures, the Bible is my source. That's all we have. We go back to that. And when we're in confrontations, we go back to it. What does the Word of God have to say about this? What does the Word of God have to, you know, Paul says, keep reading. He tells Timothy, you've had these from infancy. You've had these all along. You've had these scriptures. You've got the Word of God with you. Keep reading. Keep studying. Keep pouring yourself into them. Keep meditating. Keep keep on being diligent and know the Word. Confused? Look to the Word of God. What do I do about my job situation? Look to the Word of God. I think sometimes we think, well, it's not going to tell me in there, you need to apply at this place right here. That's not, 
It's when we saturate our minds with the Word of God that God is able to direct us and to be and do the things that He desires for us to do and we become that person that He wants us to become. Look to the Word. Are you disappointed this morning? Look to the Word. Are you discouraged? Look to the Word. Keep looking into the Word. Dive into it. Don't base your actions and your decisions upon your own opinion. Don't base them on someone else's opinion. Look to the Word. God will speak to you. He will reveal Himself through the Word. That's what He's telling Timothy. Timothy, you're young. And we read about the life of Timothy. He was a young pastor. He got beat up by people that were more seasoned. Who is it? This guy's too young to be a leader. This guy's too young to do what he's doing. And Paul's saying, don't listen to any of that stuff. You've had scriptures from infancy. You have been raised in this. You have been anointed by the, by God. Keep enduring. Keep reading. Keep pouring yourself into the Word of God. And through this whole series, the story, isn't that what we've done? We've went back to Genesis and we're going clear through Revelation and essentially what we're doing is we're going back into the Word of God to say there's this huge upper story, this this big story of God, this upper story that God is doing something and, and as we live out our six-foot perspective story, we see where God comes crashing down through ours and when we look into the Word of God, we see it time and time and time and time again how this big story, is come, this meta-narrative comes crashing down into this six-foot perspective perspective of our human stories time and time again keep enduring keep reading keep preaching second timothy 4 1 through 4 he says in the presence of god and of christ jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing in his kingdom i give you this charge preach the word be prepared in season and out of season correct Rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Guys, this isn't just for pastors. This is for every single one of us. We're the priesthood of all believers. Every single one of us has received, if we're following Christ, if we say that we're Christians, if we say that we have this relationship with Jesus Christ and we're on the journey, I want to remind you once again that we're called to endure, we're called to read, we're called to preach the Word. Every single one of us. It's not for paid staff, it's not for pastors, it's not just for missionaries, it's for every single one of us to preach God's Word. It's not just, it doesn't just happen in worship services. It's for every Christian, every single one of us, to be prepared. If you're not reading the Word, how can you preach the Word? Maybe that's why some of us are so naive about wanting to share the Word, so fearful about sharing the Word, because, truth be known, we don't really know the Word. And this isn't where you have to get in, you have to be some theological expert on the Word. This is where you just share the word. Sometimes you share the word of Francis of Assisi said, sometimes you share the word not with words, but with action, mostly with actions. He said, you know, when there comes the time to share the to share it, share it through your life, but there might be a time where you have to use words. It's your witness. It's living it out. It's saying, you know what? What I say I've committed to, I've committed to. 
And I'm not only going to preach it with words, I'm going to preach it with actions. They're both integrated, not segregated, not uh, compartmentalized. We have all been charged with this duty. Jesus even says, I will give you the power. I will give my followers the power to do this. Listen to what he says. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts... Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. In your life, what has happened within your life with your journey with Christ? What is taking place in your life right now? If I'm asking you that question, I want to ask you, what has Jesus? how has Jesus shown up in your life this past week? How have you, in your relationship with Jesus, where Jesus come to your life this past week, and he said, you, you, he's, you're working on some stuff within your life where Jesus has communicated to you, and he's made some changes within your life? Or the week before? What has Jesus done in you, to you, through you? That's what it means to preach the word, and that's what it means to have a prepared answer, because you're sharing what Christ is doing in your life. Guys, some of I've heard people say, well, my spiritual walk is a private business. I'm not sure what book you're reading. You're not reading. You're not doing as Paul said, because this is not a private business. Everything about this is to showcase what Jesus is doing within our lives. Jesus saves us to be, he's given us gifts, he has saved us, he has put, a, put us on this journey to do one thing, and that is to give him glory, to bring him glory. Your life is preaching the word one way or the other. How much either you're committed to it or how you're not committed to it. Preach the word. What has God done? What has Jesus done in your life? Again, in and through and to you. What is your good news? The past, the present, the future. What is it? 30 years Paul has been traveling and preaching and he's been condemned, he's been convicted, his life is winding down and he's, he's, give, you know, he's telling Timothy this, these last few charges and the last one he says is this, keep pouring, keep pouring. In 2 Timothy 4, 6 he says, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. This sounds kind of odd. What is a drink offering? What does that mean? Well, in those times, banquets concluded often with them taking a glass or two of wine, a goblet of wine or something, and literally pouring it on the ground. And what they would do when they would pour it on the ground, it would signify that they were giving honor to the gods. That they were, they were honoring the gods, the multiple gods in which they believed in. And so they would pour this wine out as an offering to the gods to conclude these banquets. Paul borrows that pagan tradition because many would have understood what that meant. And he says this, my life is that wine. My life is being poured out. My life has been poured out. It's being poured out. It has been poured out for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he often talked about this living sacrifice, this concept of sacrifice over and over and over for them. During this time, during this time, um, there was an emperor by the name of Nero that came into that came into power. And um, as the worship team comes back up, and and, and we're going to close here in a couple of minutes, I want you to just listen to. I want to compare and contrast these two lives uh, very quickly for you. This Nero, some of you may have heard him, heard of him, but in AD sixty six, this 
this is when he ruled. He was the emperor. He was a very, very young ruler. So what you have is you have this very young ruler coming up that you look at and you're saying, this guy is going to be something. This is the guy, this is the cat that's going to do something. You have Paul over here that's winding down. He's winding down. So Nero versus Paul, in a sense, who would make the greatest impact in the world? Nero, of course, right? Absolutely Nero would. He was, he was almost considered a god. Nero. Who in the world is Paul? Paul was this old, odd, religious fanatic that always talked about Jesus. Rome arrests Paul. Again, it's the end of his life. They arrest him. They lock him up. They throw him in the dungeon. Nero, on the other hand, is the up-and-coming leader. He's got, it every, he's got everything going for him. He had everything going for him. In fact, stories that we read, he had a wife, his first wife, um, beautiful blonde. She bathed in milk every day. Check out, bathed in milk. I'm not sure if it was 2% or 1%, but I can, I can get back with you on that. The story says that they had 400 donkeys, 400 donkeys right at their disposal. One person said that at the age of 29, she became lactose intolerant. So go figure. I wish that was mine. I thought that was cool. They had 400 donkeys on hand to be able to, to draw a bath for her every day in milk. Nero believed that it made her skin silky soft, so whatever Nero wanted, Nero got, right? Servants would then dry her. Check this out. Some of you women be like, right on. Servants would then dry her with swan feathers. Now get this one. And then they would take crocodile mucus and rub it on her feet and hands because they believed that made them really supple and silky and soft, right? How would you like to be the guy that had to go collect the crocodile mucus? It's like, yeah, you know what? I should have went to college, man. This is, not a, this, is, this is not a good job. Had a lot of them probably look like this, you know. Uh, Nero, man. I mean, he had it. He was the guy. He was the young dude, man. He was rising up in power. He was the guy. He looked the part. Paul definitely did not look the part. He looked the part. He was the guy. Nero builds this huge colossus, as we read, 25 years old at age at this time, and he places this huge carved image of guests who, of himself, obviously. In contrast, Paul is described in non-biblical literature as short, bow-legged, bald, He sported a large nose and a unibrow. He had scars all over his back, spider-webbed, as one author would say, spider-webbed across his back from the many beatings that he took. He walked hunched over uh, from all the years of just hard, brutal, physical walking that he did. Huge contrast between Nero and Paul. Paul knew, though. Paul knew that if he just kept enduring, if he kept reading and studying, if he kept preaching, if he kept pouring his life into this, then his life would make a huge impact in this world for something with eternal significance. However difficult it would be, however difficult it may be, Paul committed to that, and he committed to that with everything that he had. He even would say this at the end of his life, we can say, I quote, we can say that we ran the race and that we have and we've won it. 
He says, my time of departure, he would go on to say, my time of departure is at hand. That word departure, saying that his hardships are just about over. That word departure, when he uses that word departure, it literally means that to hoist up anchor and to sail. What Paul is saying is this, when he says that departure, he's saying, it's almost done. My life is almost done. I've poured everything into this that I've got. I've poured everything that I have into this that I have. I've committed to this journey. I have ran the race. I have given it everything I have. And it's almost time to raise the anchor. It's almost time to raise the anchor. And now I get to spend eternity and enjoy it in the presence of God. Acts 20, 24 says this. At one point he says, However, I consider my life not my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That looking, that longing, that confidence and security that says, I've ran the race. I have ran the race. He faced all kinds of persecutions as we talked. He faced all kinds of persecutions. He faced all types of sufferings. He faced all types of hardships throughout his life, his journey with Christ. He had beatings, shipwrecked. He's going without food. He was left for dead. He was pelted with rocks to the point they thought he was dead as well. He was snake-bitten. He was put in prison. You name it. He experienced all of these things. Yet he states, for me to live is for Christ. At one point in his life, he says, for me to live is for Christ because I know I can continue to pour myself into people, but to die is gain. To, 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 to leave this place, to, I've given it my all, but to leave this place, I'm going to spend my life in eternity with Jesus Christ. And the writings of the historians state that it's believed that right after he wrote these words to this young Timothy, Paul was beheaded. What began on the road to Damascus where he has this life-altering experience with Jesus Christ is now going to end on the chopping block of a Roman chopping block and literally being beheaded. He died in obscurity. No no hype, no fuss, no news channels, no CNN, no Fox News, none of these places out covering his death, covering his execution, none of, none of that taking place. He pretty much dies in obscurity. Paul out, Nero in, right? Nero hot, Paul definitely not at this time. But history teaches otherwise. Four years after Paul's death, Nero, who's 29 years old, goes to one of his servants' house extremely upset very upset and beside himself. The story goes that his second wife killed his first wife, which he, obviously a fit of, of jealousy, but his second wife killed his first wife. Out of rage, he angrily kicks his second wife in her pregnant stomach, killing her and the unborn child. He is so beside himself, 29 years old, he's so beside himself, he runs to his servant's apartment and he literally takes his life there, kills himself. No cathedrals in his name. Many to St. Paul, though. I haven't really seen any cathedrals that say, you know, that have Nero's name on them. Many churches have the Apostle Paul or St. Paul or whatever named after them. No writings, no writings in Nero's name per se, but many in Paul's name. Many in Paul's name that you and I read 
that many of, many of you, we base our life on Paul's writings. No writings in Nero's name, though. Not really anybody, one person said, noted that there wasn't really anybody, have you ever heard of anybody named Nero? There are not really too many people named after Nero. Dogs, yes. People, no. The Apostle Paul, there's a lot of people named after the Apostle Paul. The goal here, and this is where I want to conclude everything, and kind of how we started here. The goal here is not working towards building a legend, but instead a legacy. And that's exactly what Paul did. The hope here is that we are not alone. The hope that you and I have is that we are not alone. Yeah, we may not face the same physical storms. We not, may not face physical beatings. We may not face the shocks or the lack of food or snake bites and being stoned to death and, and or all these other things, beaten with rods and all that other stuff. But let's face it, you and I have somewhat... We, 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 have, our, we have our times, don't we? We have our trials. We have our temptations. We have our tribulations, as James would say. But we're not alone. We're not alone. Paul says, keep on. Keep on enduring. Keep on reading. Keep on studying the Word. Keep on basing your life on that. Keep pouring yourself out. Keep on keeping on. Nero took the path of greatness. Paul did not. Paul basically took the path of defeat. He was later, again, beheaded for it. Nero gained nothing. Paul gained everything. You see, guys... The Christian life is not a sprint. That's what we're taught. It's not this sprint out of the gates where we give it everything we got for just a few short years or whatever, and then we just kind of sit back and we don't kind of put it away. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of tired of that. The Christian life is a marathon. Paul talked about that in one of the writings. One of his last words in uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7-8, he says, I fought the good fight. He says, I fought the good fight and I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which, is, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul uses that, again, that imagery. The Olympics grounded in that area. They knew exactly what it meant. This crown, this, cra- this, this crown that you receive, this marathon crown, this, you know, in those days, they would place a crown upon your head that would be of leaves and that kind of stuff that would actually wither at some point in time. Again, Paul extracts that imagery. Paul draws from that tradition. He draws from that and he says, the crown that I'm getting is a crown of righteousness that lasts for eternity. My life has been built on that. And I'm going to stand one day, not in front of an unrighteous Roman judge that's going to pronounce death upon my life, but I I am going to stand in front of that judge right now. But moments after that, I'm going to stand in the presence of the righteous judge. Who's going to declare me not guilty? Who's going to declare me through, through the faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, worthy? of spending eternity with him. Paul was ready to meet that judge. Paul's life ended, and we're told that he, or as we read, he left this magnificent impact, an impact that you and I experience today. What is your life going to be like? What is your life like? What are you living for? 
You know, are we in this, you know, Paul just says, man, keep on enduring. Keep on reading. Take the baton. You've got to advance it. You've got to take it. You've got to advance it. I wonder how many of us in here this morning take it that serious where we say, that is what I've got to build my life on. Which means when you say that, you eradicate the other stuff. It's not about you anymore. It's about him. It's not about advancing your legacy or your, for you to become a legend your preferences, you, all this other stuff. It's not about that anymore. You look at it and you say, I, all of that's gone. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about His kingdom. It's about Him using me here in this earthly temple right now where He's going to use me to impact the world for Him. Do we share that same passion as with Paul? And maybe today's the day where we look at this and we say, I've gotten off, man. I don't want to keep on enduring. And I need, I need refilled. I need a resurgence of His Spirit because right now I'm a bit depressed and discouraged. Maybe today we just lay it all aside and we say, God, I want, to, I want to have that same tenacity that Paul had. And we cry out to God and we open ourselves up and we allow God to consume us. We don't compartmentalize. We don't say, I'll let you have this part of my life, but you let me take care of the rest. It's not that way at all. It's where we sit and we just look at it and we say, God, take every single facet about my life. Make it yours. Make it yours. Don't let me hang on to any area of my life. Make it all yours. And that's when we begin to build a legacy. That's when we start impacting the world with eternal implications. That's when you start to be that's when you start to be filled with hope and joy and peace and patience because you're now experiencing the fruit of the spirit. I'm going to close with a word of prayer and then we're going to sing a couple last songs as we normally do. If there are some of you that want to pray, I, I, and again, as I say every single week, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. I don't have that ability to know, nor do I want to know. That's between you and God. But all I ask is, and it's just my humanness to say and to ask, would you please open yourself up to the power of the Holy Spirit? I mean, truly open yourself up where you say, hey, I'm letting go of everything. This is, this, my life is yours. What is it that you want to communicate to me today, God? What is it that you want to challenge me on? What is it that you want to convict me on? Where, what is it that you want to just really encourage me in and, and, and give, me that, 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 you know, give me that resurgence to, to keep on keeping on? I don't, again, I, don't know where you're, I just pray that you'd be that vulnerable and transparent between yourself and Jesus. Would you do that as we stand and let me close uh, this portion with a word of prayer? Elders, I would ask that you would come if... If there are those that want to come and pray, would you please come forward and pray with them? Also, if you would, elders, just kind of hang out up front here for a few. If anybody else want to come up and just pray. We want you to know that we take this seriously and we want to pray with you. And just uh, play, that, play that role within your spiritual walk. Let's, let's take a minute and pray. Father, I give you thanks for this day. And I pray, God, that your spirit would find freedom right now in this room. I pray that... As, as, as the Holy Spirit begins to do His ministry right now, as, and He's been doing His ministry, that hearts would be open. Hearts would be very vulnerable and transparent. I pray that we would strip away things that may distract us, things that we may, the, the, things that we focus on that are of ourselves. 
God, that we would just allow you to break through all of that. I pray, God, this morning that lives in here this morning would be touched and changed. I pray, God, that if there are some that want to come forward and pray, that you would give them that, that, that confidence, that, that, that power to come. And let us just surround them and lift them up and pray as you've instructed the church to do. God, I pray that we would become people that take your message and embody it. And we don't compartmentalize our lives, but we allow it to have integrity throughout our whole life. And as, as we go, we, we are change agents in this world, sharing hope, sharing love, sharing snippets of your kingdom. I just pray that you're, again, that you would move here this morning. Let us respond in the way you want us to respond, God. And it's in the powerful name of your Son and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.